0: afternoon. Please open your Bibles to uh, the last psalm, Psalm 150. We've spent some time in the psalms over this summer and a little beyond, and today I thought it would be good to finish our study in the psalms for now with Psalm 150, a simple psalm with some repetitive commands to us, and so it must be Important. So Psalm 150. If you have your Bibles open, and Lord willing, um, next week possibly uh, we will start a new study in the letter of First Timothy. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But that is the plan right now. So Psalm 150. This is the word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with a trumpet sound. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. The Psalms in the Hebrew Bible, in the the original, is divided into five books. And we're obviously in the last, in the fifth book of the Psalms. And in fact, the last six Psalms that we find in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, rather, are psalms of praise to God, all six of the last psalms. And perhaps Psalm 150 was designed to be the last, just six verses, like Psalm 1, which we started on when we got into the study of the psalms. And yet a great conclusion to the psalms, because Psalm 150 really shows us the design of all the psalms. And that is to assist us to sing, to read, to dwell upon this great subject and assist us in praising God. And this psalmist here, as you read this psalm, has been full of the praises of God. And he seems to run out of words as he praises God. And here he desires not only for himself, but he wants the whole world to be full of God's praise as he calls again and again praise the Lord. Praise him, praise him, 13 times continually in these six short verses. Well, what is the chief end of man? As the Westminster Catechism tells us, and we all can quote, it is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so surely, one of the important, one of the most important perhaps commands of all scripture is before us here this afternoon. Let every living thing praise the Lord is the title of our sermon today. And we know what is the greatest command in the Bible uh, from Deuteronomy and endorsed by our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the command that comes to us continually in the Scriptures To praise God and 13 times in this little psalm is just one of the expressions and the correct responses to God for his love for us and our love for him. What is our response to the great love of God in Christ Jesus? What is the best way for us to respond to God but to praise him and to praise God? Perhaps we don't think about this much, but it is a necessary duty, a duty which we should be diligent about and regular about. We are so often slow to praise. We talk a lot, and we complain a lot, and we have many needs before God, and we talk about all sorts of things. But how much time do you spend praising God? And we need to be brought into a reminder, and the psalmist definitely does so here in Psalm one hundred and fifty, and that reminder to praise the lord and This is not just by talk, and, and in South Africa growing up, uh, we lived in a home across the road from a full gospel a full gospel church. I think that's what it was called. Was Full Gospel? Was a denomination in South Africa, and the minister, my brother and I, were just little guys in the, at home. And the minister used to arrive, and my father used to be outside, and he used to shout across the the parking lot uh, to our home. Praise the Lord. And my brother and I thought his name was Praise the Lord. And my father would praise the Lord back at him. And that's not just what we're talking about. Yes, we need to praise the Lord. But what do we really mean? Is this just words that we say? And if I ask you this afternoon, when last did you sit down and ponder about God and what he has done and who he is and just praise the Lord? And how often have you done that during difficulties, in times of trial and sickness? And the psalmist says, praise the Lord. What must I do? Praise the Lord. As we work our way through these verses, very simple, and it's all there in the text, but a reminder of a very important duty that we have to praise the Lord. And I'm just going to pull out five lessons uh, the five things that we can learn about praising God. Five simple things. Number one: praise the Lord in every place. Praise the Lord in every place. And I will ask you: Have you praised the Lord? Yes, I was in church today. That's where you praise the Lord. Verse one says: Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying there's no restriction of where you might praise the Lord, or for that matter which the scriptures teach us, for when we can praise the Lord. We can praise the Lord in every place and in many different ways. And while here we are commanded to praise the Lord, yet with our voices in singing, that's what psalms were all about. They were sung and they were accompanied by musical instruments, and even in dance, as it says here. And some of these outward expressions of praise, of course, can easily become distracting and man-centered rather than God-centered, particularly in the worship of God in his house. So if you thought I was going to say this afternoon, bring your symbol with you next week, that's not what this is about. It is about praising God from the heart in every place. The true praise of God must flow from our hearts and from our minds and from our lives. And I think this is one of the great lessons here. The true praise of God is not in a cool tune or in something we like to sing and and hear ourselves and hear the melody going, but true Praise of God and praise to God must flow from our hearts and from our minds and most importantly perhaps from our lives. And when these things, if these things, our minds and our hearts and our lives don't inspire our worship, it can become no more than loud music and a clanging cymbal and meaningless lip service. Second Chronicles 5.13, there were duties assigned and it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison and in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, in praise to the Lord. Sounds wonderful in the noise and the band, and we think of modern churches. We don't have that. We need to make some more noise up here. But our Lord Jesus Christ, even. Cautioned us against these very things. the examples of the Pharisees in Jesus' day, observing outward forms of worship and prayer and giving alms to men rather than out of a heart filled with love for God and a knowledge of the truth. And so he reminds his disciples, those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's the most important thing. So to Isaiah 29 and verse 13. This is not New Testament. These are not just New Testament principles. And the Lord said, because the people draw near to me with their mouth and on we with the lips. And eventually became here. You had the singers of the temple and the guys who made the noise in unison. It wasn't harmony and it wasn't order. But this was the Old Testament way of worship given by Moses, by God through Moses to the people. And God eventually says, they honor me with their lips. They're singing. They're making a noise. God is basically saying, I shut my ears. Their hearts are far from me. And the fear of me is a commandment taught by man. And that's the caution. But the place is not restricted. Praise the Lord in every place. And yet the psalmist starts in the most appropriate place to praise God. And that is in his tabernacle with his people praise god in the sanctuary there where his people meet with him and he with them praise and worship of god is for the gathered people first that is what we do when we come together it is for god's people praise him in his church his priests and his people together for it is there even as the new testament teaches us in the gathered church that the lord in a special way manifests his glory it is here in the church that the lord communicates his grace through the lord jesus christ and the means of grace in the church we should praise god in his sanctuary praise god on account of the church and the privileges we re- enjoy as the dwelling of god is with men and this praise in the sanctuary is a covenant blessing and promise to us ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-six. i will make a covenant of peace with them this was talking about the coming gospel of christ it shall be an everlasting covenant with them i will set them in the land and multiply them i will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever and we are living there praise god in his sanctuary Praise the Lord in every place, from his sanctuary to the highest heavens, he says. There is no place where it is not good to praise God, even as all nature shouts his praise. And that's why he mentioned the heavens, and the heavens above the heavens, the star and the sun and the moon. As the psalmist remembers even the highest heavens, surely that is a reminder to us, brothers and sisters, of the heavens where god is and there where he is praised perfectly in holiness day and night for all eternity and we if we love christ we will be freed to do the same one day in the beauty of holiness where below we are weak in our praise are we not we irregular in our praise are we not paul instructs timothy in first timothy 2 and verse 8 I desire that in every place that men should pray. Lifting up holy hands, a sign of praise without anger or quarreling. Praise the Lord in every place. That's the first lesson. The second lesson the psalmist teaches us. Secondly, praise the Lord for what he has done. Praise the Lord for what he has done. Verse 2 in the first part. Praise him for his mighty deeds. And that full gospel minister the so sure meant well. But it was just praise the Lord. It had no context. It was just praise the Lord. No wonder we thought his name was praise the Lord. And praise God for his mighty deeds, says the psalmist. This is not something you roll off your tongue and sounds good and clash and bang a cymbal and blow a trumpet. No, this is something I ponder in my heart And in my mind, praise the Lord for his mighty deeds. And we hinted at this in the first point. Praise and worship to God is not that I have randomly decided to embrace the worship of God. I love to sing, so I'm going to join a church and I'm going to sing. I know oh, I'm to go to a church where there is a, a, a clanging cymbal and a band and, and people swaying to music. I'm going to do that because I want to, because it's popular, or it's a trend, or we like to sing, or we love the tune. No, there's praise to God limited to singing. But, brothers and sisters, our lives must reflect in all that we say and do that we love him. Because sometimes we say with our lips, praise the Lord, and we turn around and curse men. And our thoughts are not thoughts of praise to God, to please him. And we desire to glorify his name in our lives. First Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink. Talk to your wife. Go to work. Whatever you do, do whatever you do all to the glory of God. So that in everything you may stop and say, praise the Lord. And here the psalmist gives us a true motivation for praising God because of his mighty deeds. God has shown himself Mighty in deeds. Make known his might. The deeds his arm has done. Consider the great creating power of God. These are his mighty deeds. Consider Israel who David was writing to at the time. How he brought us through the Red Sea. And many of the Psalms recount the ways and the deeds. And the mighty acts and the strong arm of God. That accomplished mighty deeds. But the psalmist said, you don't need to go far. You don't even need to go to the history. We know it's there. Just look at the heavens, the stars, the sun, and moon. We considered in Psalm 8 earlier on, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars, which you have set in place, O Lord, our Lord, he said, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He created the heavens and the sky and the sea and the earth and the angelic beings and every living thing. God is the originator of life and all things were brought about by the word of his power. And the psalmist calls us to praise the Lord for the things that he has done, for his mighty deeds. And if I ask you this afternoon, what matter of praise do you have? Do you have a story? Do you have a history where you can say the Lord has brought me through many deep waters? The Lord has rescued me from death. The Lord led me with his kind providence and preserved my life there and there and there. And you know there was a period where I was unfaithful. But consider the mighty deeds the Lord has done for me. Praise the Lord. And above all, of course... The church praises God for what he has done through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit in the gospel. That triumphant, completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ in redeeming his church through the offering of his son as a ransom for the sins of his people giving them eternal life, perfecting them by His sanctifying grace through the Spirit as He conforms them into His image until He comes again. These, brothers and sisters, are the mighty deeds that God has done and continues to do in your life and in my life and in the life of the church. Praise the Lord for His mighty deeds. Praise the Lord. And let's remember the angelic beings in heaven right now and the saints gone before us there to heaven to praise him there night and day for the great things that he has done. And let it be a comfort to us in that the saints that we knew on this earth that you miss and your heart still grieves for because, but they have departed and they are with Christ. And comfort yourself with this. They are praising God for the great deeds that he has done in heaven perfectly. That which we do on earth so perfectly, so irregularly, and with so much complaining and arguing about our circumstances and our difficulties, there they see the beautiful picture. In perfect holiness they worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And we praise the Lord sometimes with divided loyalties, with the things on earth that entice us and seek to distract our hearts with our remaining sin plaguing us and restricting us in our worship so that we do not praise him as we should but be encouraged brothers and sisters a day will come where with a host of heaven we will at last praise him perfectly and splendidly in the glories of heaven for the mighty deeds that he has done That is why we praise the Lord. We praise him for what he has done. We ought to also, we are also taught in this psalm that we must thirdly, number three, praise the Lord for who he is. Praise the Lord for who he is. And the psalmist here, he's a poet, so he he should do a lot better than us. But he just gives us one second, one sentence. He says, praise him, verse 2b according to his excellent greatness how must we praise him adequately how should we praise him well let's get the proportions right here praise him according to this his excellent greatness that is how we are to praise the lord for who he is brothers and sisters as human beings Our tongues are at a loss. We cannot possibly express the perfection of all God's attributes. But that is why we must praise the Lord with our hearts and with our minds and with our lives. Because he is everything to us. He has shown us his mighty deeds in creation, in our lives, in the church, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought also to praise him for who he is the great I am the god who is simple without parts the god who is eternal the god who is immortal and if you came to Sunday school this morning you you'd have a better understanding Of who this God is that we must praise. The all-knowing, the ever-present, the all-powerful, the immutable, not able to change. The great three-in-one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God who is spirit incomprehensible. Unfathomable to our finite minds. And yet, what a blessed truth we saw this morning. We can know God. And he's revealed himself as much as these minds can possibly take. He revealed himself to the crown of his creation, after in whose image he created them. And the psalmist is at a loss for perfect words or an adequate comparison. But in praise, he wants to tell the greatness of the Lord. I love why we sang that hymn this morning. Tell out, my soul, the greatness of, his, of the Lord. Tell out, my soul, the greatness of, of, his, of his name. Tell out, my soul, the greatness of everything about God. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. God, who does not merely possess. In fact, he does not possess those attributes that we read about. Those wonderful attributes revealed in scripture. But he is all those things in perfection. We possess them and we lose them and we get acted upon and God is good to us and we praise him. And then we struggle and we forget to praise him and we complain. But God is in those attributes. He is them. He is a God without passions. He does not feel or can be moved uh, by what what are for us passions in us that we may experience and are acted upon or moved. But this is God in perfection. God is love. His excellent greatness. We are moved to love. We also move to hate. God is just. God is merciful, God is faithful, God is holy, God is wrath and a consuming fire. He is perfectly holy, yet he is compassion and justice and mercy in one and perhaps greatest of all, wonder of wonders that God is forgiving, that God pardons our iniquities for the sake and by the merits of his Son, ...uncreated, proceeding from the Father and is one with Him. That is why the psalmist is motivated to praise Him as best that he can. And he simply exclaims, praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Brothers and sisters, we don't need the symbol and the drums. And if you have one at home, go at it and praise the Lord uh, the way that you want... David jumped into the street and started dancing in the street, praising the Lord. How impossible it is for our mortal tongues to say or sing praises to bear any proportion to God's greatness. We cannot do that. God is infinite, greater than we can express or even conceive. But we must raise our thoughts with him, brothers and sisters, that's why you should have been in Sunday school this morning. It would raise your thoughts as you see what it means that God is immortal, living in light, inapproachable. It is beyond our comprehension. But we praise God for who he is. And so we must raise our thoughts of him to the highest degree attainable or understandable in our limited minds. Praise his excellent greatness. Don't be afraid of saying too much in the praise of God, as we often do in praising men, don't we? And Indeed, the only legitimate praise we may bring to men, as we see in them the image of God restored with new hearts and sanctified lives, and in this evidence of them being conformed by degrees into his, his image we acknowledge and praise God for his great works and excellent great. I quote, in singing this psalm, we should endeavor to get our hearts as much affected with the perfections of God and the praises with which he is and shall forever be attended throughout all ages, world without end. Praise him for his excellent greatness. And how shall we compare God that we may praise him? aright? Pastor Sam spoke about going... Athens, or in the Mediterranean, and seeing those idols of wood and stone, and you walk around, you perceive, you understand, and there is our God. Light, inapproachable, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Isaiah attempted this. Isaiah was feeling the same thing of praising God, who is worthy of praise and glory and honor. You'll you remember the recognize these verses from Isaiah 40. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, who brings out their host by number, calling them by name, the millions of stars, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, they all there, not one is missing, have you not known Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He is incomprehensible. Praise the Lord for who he is. His excellent greatness. Fourthly, just two more. Fourthly, we are taught in this psalm to praise the Lord with the heart with our emotions, with our, the center of our being. Praise the Lord with the heart. And when I read verses 3 to 5, you're going to say, hey, wait, that's a cymbal, that's a flute, that's a harp. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and a pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. In whatever manu- uh, manner this must this tribute be paid? In what manner are we to praise Him? The psalmist says, with everything, with your whole being, with all kinds of instruments that were used then in the temple service, and not only are we, are we not to be overly concerned with what sort of instruments were there. Does this mean I can bring a clanging cymbal into the church And the importance is not in the use of instruments in themselves, although they do and may assist us to express our praise to God. But rather the important thing here is that I worship God from the heart. People who play instruments and, and get together and like to jam, they'll say, come, let's get together and make a noise. The psalmist says, let's get together and praise the Lord. And if the chorus and the choir and the cymbals are going to help, but I am praising the Lord from the heart. My soul longs to tell out loudly and with the whole orchestra, if that were possible, that I desire in my heart to praise God. Not account of good music or loud instrument, but on account of his mighty deeds. On account of who he is, his infinite greatness, and on account of that excellent greatness in his person and his holy perfection, let everything within me praise the Lord. And let's not get confused with emotion and enthusiasm, with instruments and music, clanging cymbals or dances David did in the streets before the Lord. The psalm is not intended here to rewrite our regulative principle of worship in the New Testament, but is to teach us that the praise of God should be from the heart. Not the measure of noise that we ought to be making, but rather the importance of loving and worshiping God from the heart. That is how best you can praise the Lord. And so here's the great lesson of how. The lesson here is how this full the psalmist's heart was of the praises of God. How desirous he was that this good work of praising God may go on, that he says again and again, praise the Lord. And then he says everything, everything, not just the people, but every living thing, praise the Lord. And that's how he closes the song. I desire to worship God in my heart and with my voice and song and music, all without Listen to Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. But I'm too worried about the next job right now. And this trial really needs to go. I don't feel like praising God. Exodus 15:2 The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and i will exalt him in psalm 7 verse 17 i could keep you here all day i will give to the lord the thanks due to his righteousness who he is and what he accomplished with my mind with my heart this is the god that i want to praise on account of his righteousness i will sing praise to the name of the lord the most high that's the highest my heart and mind can think of his inscrutable ways and his brilliance in which he lives and brothers and sisters may the lord give us seasons of great joy with loud singing and praise and a clanging cymbal, if you like, if we are so filled with the praise of God in our hearts and when the Spirit fills our hearts with the knowledge of his greatness, his beauty, and his perfections, that we would shout and sing with songs of great joy and praise. And that's the only thing Reformed Baptists need to learn to praise God in his sanctuary together without the drums, but just to sing and to sing loud and to sing from the heart because our whole being needs to and desires to praise God. Matthew Henry says this, yes, brothers and sisters, he he says this, the best music in God's ears is devout and pious affections. The best music in God's ears is devout and pious affections not a melodious string or a melodious heart. The evidence is rather of the graces of the fruit of the spirit in his church as we love and serve one another. God will honor that. That is praise to God when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is true praise to God when our lives live in love, in obedience to the commands of God, the commands of Christ. That is a thousand words. That's a thousand hymns. And that is why there is great joy and rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. It is to worship God for the great things he has done and for his excellent greatness. May with be this one quote, praise God with a strong faith, praise him with a holy love and delight, praise him with an entire confidence in Christ, praise him with a believing triumph over the powers of darkness, praise him with an earnest desire towards him and a full satisfaction in him. Praise him by universal respect to all his commands. Praise him by a cheerful disposition to all his disposals. Praise him by rejoicing in love and solacing yourself in his great goodness. Praise him by promoting the interests of the kingdom of his grace. Praise him by a lively hope and expectation of the kingdom of God. This is the New Testament concert. That's the New Testament concert. God provided singers and Levites to sing and those playing instruments in perfect unison, in order in the Old Testament. Here we have the New Testament concert. It is with one mind and with one mouth to glorify God. Romans 15, verse 5 and 6, May the God of endurance And encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together with one voice you glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord with your heart. Fifthly and finally, praise the Lord with every breath. Praise the Lord with every breath. Verse 6. Let everything that has breath. The psalmist can't contain himself at this point. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Who is commanded to praise the Lord? He began with a call to those who had a place in the sanctuary, who employed in the temple service, but he concludes with a call to all the children of men and in anticipation of the time when the Gentiles would be taken into the church, and in every place, as at Jerusalem, this incense should be offered. Do you know what I'm referring to? Remember Malachi? The last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 11, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, everything that has breath. And perhaps here we must include all life, and every creature, and the birds, and the trees, everyone in whose nostrils is the breath of life. They praise God according to the capacity. The heavens declare the glory of God. The singing of the birds is, in a sense, a praising of God. And John, in his vision on the Isle of Patmos, you may remember, he, in his vision, heard a song of praise from every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth in every place revelation 5:13 and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them say to him who sits upon the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever church of Jesus Christ that's who we are all we have is our breath our spirit Let us spend it in praising God. How can I spend it better than that? For perhaps sooner than what we think, we must breathe our last and let our last breath. In our last breath, let us praise the Lord and we shall breathe our last with comfort. When earthly breath runs out, we shall exchange it for that better eternal state to breathe God's praises freely forever and ever with the creatures and the heavenly angels praising God together. As the last six psalms are taken up at the end with hallelujah, so the closer we come to the end of our lives, the fuller they should be of the praises of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the great God who has done mighty deeds. Oh Lord, we thank you for the great deeds that you have done through your Son for the church. How we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. How we thank you for the precious blood of Christ that we will celebrate and remember his death in a moment. How we thank you for these great deeds. And now we thank you that you are the great I am. Wonderful and perfect in every way. Inscrutable. Living in light. Inapproachable. Oh, Father, there is none that compares with you. Help us, we pray, by your spirit in our lives, in our infirmities, in our work, in the drudgery of life, in in sickness and in health. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen.